Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from the founder of an overseas manufacturing empire with eight factories and 1,500 employees on best practices for sustainable consumer product production. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Jacob Rothman to the show. Jacob is the CEO of Platform 88, a manufacturer that helps startups with their first production runs in Asia. Platform 88 is a division of Jacob's eight manufacturing conglomerate called Vlong Industries. Today, Jacob's going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers should factor in manufacturing and production sustainability, how to do sustainability well, and what types of sustainable options are out there for your physical product. Now, on to the episode. Jacob, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. How are you? It's great to be on your podcast. Good, good. Oh, likewise, great to have you on. So I understand some of the talks that we had before the show, you've effectively been stuck in, in China with your factories for almost two years now because of the COVID situation. Yeah, I know that because I had a somewhat uncomfortable conversation with my father who lives in California, reminding me uh, on Sunday that I haven't been home in two years and he'd really like me to come home. So explain what's going on there in terms of like expats and and travel and all of that, because I found that very interesting. For the most part, traveling within China is okay. My family and I took a vacation to Xi'an, uh, where the Terracotta Warriors are. That was okay. But there are outbreaks, and now with Delta virus, and China is very strict about inland travel. Uh, I wanted to go down to one of our factories in the south. Uh, this week, I was supposed to be there and I couldn't go because there was a chance that I might be quarantined. But travel outside of China is even worse. So our visas get canceled immediately upon leaving. And it's not 100% sure if we can get back. And if we do get back, there's a two to three week quarantine in probably not the best of hotels eating not the uh, finest of foods. Wow. Not so that that really does stick you there. And it's amazing. You know, you've stuck by your factories, you have a number of them across the country, and as well with Platform 88. Why don't you give everyone just a bit of a background to how you got to where you are today as a successful producer overseas? Sure. Well, when I got out of school, originally, I was going to be a rabbi, which I know is quite a departure from what I'm doing now. But uh, I had signed up, I had applied, I thought I might be going to rabbinical school. And my father convinced me to go work in a factory that we had in uh, Stockton, California, which was producing brooms and mops and brushes uh, for retailers of the day like Costco and, and uh, Price Club, which doesn't exist anymore, but Smart and Final, people on the West Coast of the United States. And from there, I moved to um, Shanghai because we wanted to open a sourcing office uh, after working in the factory in California. And after that, there was a couple ups and downs in terms of the economy. I've been here for 15 years. So in those downturns, retailers and customers really started turning to factories to do the work that maybe trading companies uh, were doing or uh, sourcing companies were doing. So I sort of saw the writing on the wall, merged my sourcing company or trading company at the time with a small factory that we'd been working with, and then grew what's called Vlong Industries into several factories and then a few more, and then ultimately Platform 88. 
So now you've got, uh, you're mentioning 1,500 staff members across eight plus factories. And uh, the amazing thing is now with Platform 88, uh, you've got an avenue for early stage companies or emerging companies uh, in the product space to actually get off the ground. And we'll talk about Platform 88 down the road as well in this conversation. I want to talk today uh, with you about sustainable manufacturing, because I know that's a big thing that's emerged within your factories and within your programs. Why don't we start with talking about the reason that sustainability has become so powerful in this global economy in and around consumer products. I think people are fed up with the way in which we've looked at products, use products, engage with products, and um, we're starting to see the repercussions of decades of plastic use. And plastic is is uh, in our landfills, in the ocean, and, and it's really... Um, destroying the environment, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Um, I think we can all agree that there's too much plastic in the ocean and uh, younger people, uh, younger consumers probably are driving um, this need for sustainable product and sustainable manufacturing. And the big companies are starting to get on board and you're seeing it kind of in the back end at the early early phases with a number of these large companies. I know we've got uh, Walmart, Woolies, uh, you're mentioning Metro in Germany, uh, Target. There's a lot of big companies that are really starting to approach on the buy side uh, with a lot of their vendors and look at the options that are available for sustainable manufacturing as a whole. Absolutely. Uh, I, some of the largest, and people maybe you wouldn't consider um, as, as this being important to, people like to point at large companies and, and, and vilify them, I suppose. But Walmart is really leading the charge on sustainable manufacturing. If you look in their camping department, their Firefly, Firefly brand is made of recycled fabrics for tents and sleeping bags. Um, almost every department. If you're speaking to a buyer at a chain store and you're not talking about sustainability, you're probably not going to win. Um, so not only is it a good thing to do, and the right thing to do, it's probably a good business move as well. It's interesting, you know, you talk about the buyers and uh, traditionally it's all about price, but it looks like as these major corporations are evolving and as more and more, as you mentioned, kind of the younger demographic, which generally seems to be leading the charge in terms of even just on the consumer level of desiring products that are a little bit better for the environment or, you know, rising up or getting frustrated about these sorts of things. Well, as these companies are evolving, they're getting to the point where they want to have a greater impact on the world and as well as their buyers and as their team are, are getting more involved in this sort of stuff, it really drives down to those conversations that are happening in the buying room, which I don't think was so common uh, even just 10 years ago. It was all about price and, and functionality. Now you've got price, functionality and sustainability, which is something yeah. that as you're developing the product, you can think about from day one. I think it's who, um, I mean, there's a number of things that are driving it, but, and cost um, is, is still uh, a major factor, right? For I don't sure. think any buyer anywhere on the planet who's not sort of um, uh, urging uh, uh, euphemistically their, um, their uh, vendors to have the best price. So I think that's still always going to be a play. But um, we tell different stories now than we, and are able to tell different stories now because of social media, because of Amazon. Um, because of uh, selling direct to consumer, you have um, startups and brands that are um, able to reach a larger audience. So maybe when I first started my career, um, 
Walmart was concerned about Dollar General and Family Dollar and um, off-price retailers and making sure that they were offering uh, value, and they still try to offer uh, and do offer value to consumers, and and that's in, on every continent: Metro in Germany, or Woolies in Australia, Tesco in in the UK. Um, but now you have people telling stories that are attractive, um, and we're flipping through our phones and we're seeing this product that's made uh, in a certain way, like Ocean Bottle uh, from the UK, and how's that made? Um, and they're now having to compete with these people, uh, direct-to-consumer companies, and um, they don't want to look dated. They don't want to look old. And I think they also, in many um, sense, I think their buyers have uh, the right intentions as well. So how do you build a sustainable product? What do you need to be thinking about? And let's talk first and foremost about materials. Okay. Um, well, it all starts with the bill of materials, as you know, right, as an engineer. So, um it's about choices that you make in the beginning is how sustainable can I be? What's the price value relationship? Can I be hundred percent sustainable? Is it possible first? Uh, what materials do I need to use? Can I use, um, can I make an affordable product? Cause we still have to sell products that people can buy. Um, and so I think that in, in the ideation stage of your product, um, it's really looking at what part of it uh, can be sustainable. Um, you know, if it's a bottle, can the plastic parts be made from ocean plastic or algae? Um, can the stainless steel be recycled stainless steel? If it's, um, I think if you're watching the Olympics, Hewlett Packard just launched a computer that's the casing is made from ocean plastic. And that's, that's kind of a big deal. You wouldn't expect that from HP, but there they are. And it's a big deal on the advertising. It, the beautiful thing about materials that I find we're dealing with our clients and developing products it's really relatively easy, low-hanging fruit because you're simply selecting a material. Now, of course, you have to make sure that the, the performance is there and whatnot. But as you mentioned, it doesn't have to be that your product is 100% from recycled materials, especially if certain elements cannot be. But as technology is improving, the technology around recycled materials is improving as well. So every year we have more and more access to more and more different types of recycled or sustainable or, or organically grown materials. As you mentioned with the algae, there's a lot of things that is emerging that is making it easier and easier for your product development team to actually create those innovations or those pieces of the product that help with sustainability. And I noticed some, one of the things that caught my attention as we were talking before the show, Jacob, that you mentioned too, is when you're dealing with sustainability, as your example there, where you said maybe it's you know 30% uh, recycled materials, it's also key to be very transparent and honest with your customer base that here is how here is exactly and specifically how you are trying to improve your product from a sustainability perspective. Yeah, I think sustainability means a number of things, right? And the first rule, I think, um, if you're going to sell a, a product uh, is honesty, right? And transparency. We can do this much. Um, then you need to look at what else goes into sustainability. One is materials. Um, another is the manufacturer that you're working with. How are they dealing with um, not just um, power and waste and electricity and um, so sustainability means a lot of different things. It could be materials. It could be the manufacturing process. It could also mean, um, and again, to reference Walmart again, Walmart urges the, and Ikea urges their vendors to be um, sustainable in your community. Um, how are you helping your community? Uh, so it's not really just 
about the product. It's about all the things that go along the chain uh, to make something sustainable. Um, a lot is talked about now of uh, uh, circular economies or upcycled um, uh, materials, and it all goes into it. And I think we're making change incrementally, which is great. That's a big one that you mentioned. You know, we first started talking about materials, but looking further beyond materials is a big part of sustainability. And one of the key words that I always use when you look at that factor is community. Hmm. How are you improving the community in and around the manufacturing facility? That could be mean, mean quite literally, or like you're building a school near a facility, or it could mean uh, other methods like how are you reducing your shipping costs or how are you encouraging uh, innovation across the line? How are you improving the lives of the, the folks that you're manufacturing with or a part of? It's a much bigger than just materials, but of course, materials is the easy one that, that's easy to see and, and realistically speaking, very easy to do from the onset. So let's break down those other things a bit further and, and talk about, about what uh, Platform 88 and, and the factories that you have are, what are they doing to increase sustainability beyond just materials? Sure. Um, so we opened uh, our first wholly owned factory outside of China uh, last year in Cambodia. Um, and if you know the history of Cambodia, like uh, many people do, it's had decades of violence um, and uh, a complete breakdown of direct investment and the use of funds in that country for what they were intended uh, for in the beginning, education and and uh, clean water and roads and things that the country need and ne needed and still needs to get themselves um, uh, at global standards. So at the factory that we have in Cambodia, and unfortunately it's been slowed down a bit by COVID, we had four stages and still have four stages. Um, we wanted to do cut and sew material, which is up and going now. The second was tools, because we do a lot of uh, kitchen and grilling tools. Uh, the third is small electronics. And then the fourth and final um, is building a school. And we haven't decided yet if we're gonna do it for the workers or for children. And for the workers, it might be, how do you not be a factory worker in five years from now? What courses do you want? Do you want computer education courses or how to handle money or um, how to make investments or how to build your own product? Um, or we might do a, a more basic education level for children. We haven't decided yet, but it's something that we're working on and passionate about for Cambodia. Yeah, it's amazing. And that all flows through to the overall quality and caliber of the product. And it's a great story behind it. And you really can feel like you're actually doing something good, not just building this plastic widget, but you're a much bigger part of the global community, which is something you came around to in the first place in this conversation is really looking at the world as one whole planet, not as individual countries or companies or whatever else, but really one planet that we all share together. And how can we collectively, even on our simple widget or gadget, how can we collectively work together, both with a design team, with your manufacturing partner and with your buyers? And of course, that all trickles down to your end consumers. How can we all work together as all these different stakeholders to make not just a widget, but a widget that also is being done in the best possible way that you can for the environment? While hitting certain performance criteria or whatever it is for your product. And I think if you really look at that from the very onset, I see it with a, with a number of, of products, it's not that difficult if it's a goal from early on in the business. And if it's a goal early on in the business and right from the early sketch design phases, as you're talking about looking at those materials, figuring out what options you have or don't have, you can actually make design and engineering decisions along the way to allow you to have your cake and eat it too. 
where you can use a material that you want if it's designed in a specific way so that when you get to the manufacturing phase, it's well thought out and you're actually putting your best foot forward in terms of how much of that product is sustainable and the types of sustainability that, that you're drawing for it. I want to go back to materials for a second because I know you've done a lot of work with some specific materials. And can you break those down um, so that as our designers or new product developers out there are listening, they can just on the onset at a high level, understand what some of those emerging materials are, some of that technology that we can actually use in making our products sustainable going forward. Well, we have separate production lines within our factory to test new materials uh, because using um, virgin material versus recycled material you have different shot times you have different results in terms of how the plastics uh clarity or color or or strength or durability so we have a line set up um, at two of our factories to just test these materials and um, a few that i'm proud of is we're using ocean-bound plastic and ocean plastic uh, that's was really the first one um, the second one we're using uh, sugar cane we're using coffee husk uh, we're using algae. Algae is kind of a silent killer, um, but if you love the environment and hiking and camping and an algae bloom takes over your uh, lake or river, it kills everything in the environment because it sucks all the oxygen out. So we're working with uh, algae-based products. And then one that I'm uh, really particularly proud of is uh, one of our southern factories. We're in Guangdong province in the southern part of China. Um, and we just signed a deal with a, a company that's going to go around to Starbucks and Costa Coffee. And we have a tea company here called Hey Tea, collect the trash, uh, plastic trash, bring it back to our manufacturing town, pelletize it, clean it. Um, we just got our FDA and LFGB, LFGB is for Europe, um, certification. And now we're working on our um, process certification as well to make sure that we can prove it and that it's repeatable. Um, and I like that as, as well. I mean, trash um, that's floating in the ocean is romantic and exciting, but so is the trash that's sitting in dumpsters, you know, and landfills uh, in our communities. So those are the main ones that we're working on right now. Those are three big topics, right? We've got your ocean trash, your land trash, and then your organic materials. Yes. All three of those are, are three different and very powerful options that you have as a designer, as a, as a product company to use in mm -hmm. creating a sustainable version of your product. And as we all know right now, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of ocean and land trash. It will be quite a significant amount of time before we run out of those <laughs> recycled materials. And of course, you know, the, the, the utopian dream of everybody is to have a 100% recyclable system. Um, mm -hmm. As you get further and further up that chain from you know, a few percent uh, to 20% and onwards, that means more and more materials are always going to be cycling back into that development system, into that manufacturing system, especially the better technology that, that evolves around recycling products, the more and more of those, not only of the options available to you, of the technology available to you, but the more and more materials you can actually use uh, in order to continue that recycle process. I don't think it's as long as you think, uh, or might think, Kevin, because, I mean, just think of maybe four or five years ago before Tesla uh, and the idea that everyone might be using, um, uh, you know, electric vehicles, um, that seemed like something that was, uh, you know, that would never happen, but it's happening. It's happening quickly here in China. But um, I know a still small percentage right now are EVs, but um, it's predicted, you know, in the not too distant future that 
most cars would be EVs, right? And I think the same thing with materials and products as well. They're, um, the world's moving quickly. And I think, especially for your um, audience who are startups and, 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 and just starting out, thinking about that from step one, before they even come uh, to the engineering phase or the design phase, I, I just think is critically important. Well, the important thing that you mentioned earlier on, you know, to, in 2021 right now, it's good business. So even if it, and especially to most of the folks listening here that are developing products, you're developing something new, unique, proprietary of value. So generally margins are built into it. We've talked a lot about margins on the show. When you're making something new, it fetches a higher price point generally. Uh, and as such, that gives you some, some liberty and some, or some luxury within those margins to build quality into the product, but also to build sustainability into the product. And at the manufacturing level, as, as you get into the product space, as you sell products, you'll realize that a small increase in uh, production cost because of recycled components is going to be minor relative to the overall retail price point that you're actually selling for. So if you can't sell for 2 or 3% more to cover maybe the 10 to 20% higher manufacturing cost, then you have to reevaluate the, the actual product value that you're bringing to the market, the innovation value. So presumably, if you've come up with an innovation, it's because it is uh, creating value or there's a need or whatever else in a specific part of the market. Sustainability should not be one of those corners that you cut to try and reduce your cost. And if anything, look to increase the value that you're providing with your invention or your gadget or your innovation or whatever it might be so that you can build in sustainable production into your cost. And what, of course, will result is people will actually be willing to pay a higher price Buyers will, as you mentioned, even at the highest levels, even at the biggest retail company in the world, they are interested in that. They That very well might be the difference between a go and a no-go conversation on the oh. buying floor in the red brick building of Walmart. So this is where you really want to be thinking about this from the early stage of your development to make sure that you're just at least putting a certain amount or what you can at this point in time based on current technology into that product as you flow through. Um, can you explain, Jacob, how Platform 88 fits into all of this? Sure. Um, but I just want to go back um, uh, one second, though. I would say that if you're a startup uh, and and uh, you're not thinking about this, I think I, I might be repeating myself, but um, m we have an opportunity to work with large chain stores, large brands, but we also have uh, our startup department, which we can talk about in a second. And I can tell you um, from the inside that large brands uh, large chain stores are already thinking about this and making very aggressive strides forward, which is great. Um, but if you're a startup and not thinking about this and you're coming to uh, wanting to sell either direct to consumer or to a chain store, your competitors are thinking about this. So you really have to think about it. You really have to engage it. And, and so it's something you should do. But uh, And the nice thing is if, if you are, let's say you're too far along in your current production process. You've already made your first thousand units. You can always evolve your product into be a sustainable product down the road. So it, it's never too late to start thinking about or start having the conversation with your engineers about how you can start to incorporate sustainability into even an existing line. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and oftentimes it's not as a harsh change as you think. It's just getting your manufacturer to agree to um, bring in sustainable materials, run them on their equipment and machinery. And, you know, in, in some cases it might be a mold change. It might be a minor mold change, but um, in, in some cases it's a, it's a new mold, but 
Um, but in many cases, you can use the molds you have and uh, shoot different materials if you work with your manufacturer. So just before we uh, sign off here, I really want to uh, have the audience understand a bit more about Platform 88 and how that's helping early stage companies enter into the overseas manufacturing process. Sure. So um, I think I mentioned before, so VLong Industries is the parent company and we have this subsidiary, which is Platform 88 and it or a department within VLong uh, that's just focused on helping startups. And if we circle back to the beginning of the podcast, like I said, I wanted to be a rabbi in the beginning. So I'm getting to flex those muscles now and, and help startups. And, um, you know, for me, um, you know, providing a little bit more mentorship, guidance. These are things that we didn't get um, when I first came to China. I'd, I'd go to a factory and they were making something for somebody. And I wanted to know who the buyer was at Walmart or Target or Metro or somebody like that. And we just couldn't get that help uh, when I first started. So um, now that um, I'm 48 and I started in my 20s, I want to get back to startups. And um, this is a way I can do it. Well, that's amazing. It's much appreciated too. And we look forward to collaborating with you on a number of projects because there's yeah. always that transition period between you get to your final prototype and you're ready to go to production. And uh, of course, that, that that's a big leap. Uh, a lot of customers are going direct to consumers out of the gate through Kickstarter and Egogo uh, platforms, uh, or, or even just direct to consumers via Shopify on their own website, pre-selling some units. And then of course, rubber hits the road. Now you've got to produce. And that is a big leap. And that's an under, you know, an under generally an underestimated uh, leap between going from your, you know, ready for production to actually producing. And this is where something like platform 88 can really smooth that process over uh, as well as with, you know, Jake's experience and huge manufacturing base and many manufacturing connections beyond that. I think it'd be very helpful, especially to early stage startups, especially to startups, hardware startups that are going through the manufacturing process for the first time. So Jacob, really appreciate that you've uh, put the commitment into helping startups through Platform 88. Uh, what's the, it's just platform and then the number's 88.com, right? Yeah, it's www.platform88.com is our website, but we're on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there and we um, are fairly visible, but I also wanted to say I'm not alone. I have five different co-founders, so it's not just me fighting the good fight. I have uh, other people helping me as well, and we're all committed to helping startups. And I'll put the all the links within the show notes, um, so you can just click through to find uh, any of those uh, mediums that uh, Jacob uh, mentioned. And as always, uh, really appreciate talking to you, and thanks for being on the show and sharing all that insight for uh, manufacturing, especially around sustainability. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end -end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com that's m-a-k-o design.com for a free consultation from one of maco designs for design studios from coast to coast thanks for listening and see you next time